What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back hey, to the Fortnite Podcast. I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Again, I'm Joshua Malf. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, two sweeps, Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, it is UFC 279 Fight Week. Shamai versus Diaz going down this Saturday night from Las Vegas. Obviously, we got UFC Paris to go over, as well as a little bit of news. Before we get into all of that, as always, we are brought to you by Rogue Energy. If you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. That's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% of all your energy needs. Very busy weekend, you know. Uh, very, just, just, I've been a big, busy guy lately, you know. i got a lot going on. But you know what? I always keep my Rogue Energy Shaker bottle on me. Gets me through my day happy, healthy, and hydrated. And if you want to be the same, go to RogueEnergy.com. Code Saddle for checkout for 10% off. Last Saturday night, from the Accor Arena in Paris, France, UFC Fight Night. The heavyweights, man. Cyril uh, Gane, Tai Tuivasa, putting on a show. Ended up being the fight of the night, which I don't think anybody would have expected going in, given Gane's previous fights, where he kind of plays it a bit safe. But, look, man, uh, Tai forced a fight out of him. Just walking forward the entire time, giving him no chance to breathe. And he knocked him down at one point. But God rallies from behind and gets a knockout of his own in round three. Serogon gets the win in his home country in front of his home people. Angel. Obviously, he had the the, the misstep against Nganu in January. But he rebounds, gets a huge win. Tell me what you thought and tell me what your thoughts on Gon's future moving forward in this division. I mean, it's it's probably going to be championships for a very long time for him. I mean, he's he's clearly a very, 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 for one, gifted individual, talented as well. Hard you can tell. Obviously, it shows worth ethic is there. His his uh, ability to grow and learn a sport in such a, a short amount of time. And what's it been like? Four years he's been training. Uh, I don't know about training, but I know that he's only been an active fighter for around four years. But he still, made his, that's, yeah, made his, yeah. made his debut like four years ago, like. This month. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so he's not been around long. Yeah, so even then, with all of that added, I mean, that's that's all impressive. Uh, no matter what you know, what you want to say uh, about him and his style of fights, he is a uh, show tremendous growth over the over the years now. And uh, he did it, man, in his, in his hometown. He put on a show. Him and Ty. Uh, I, I, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the green room, and, and we were saying how Ty didn't lose any stock in this, which was. Kind of a, a feel good moment, right? Cause even when Ty lost the fight, he, he gained a lot of love in the same way. Uh, obviously, uh, I don't, you know, sort of spoke to the French crowd and, and said something. And I'm sure it was along the lines of like, you know, this guy's a beast. This guy's a warrior. Please, you know, give, give a round of applause for him. I don't know. Some, I don't know what the translation was. We never got it. Mm-hmm. But whatever it may have been, I'm sure it was something real nice. And, and it was, and it was fun because you could tell, uh, even in the fight itself, there was a there was some chivalry. There was there was a few moments there. They were they were they were going a little bit back and forth, and it was just a, it was a fun little brawl, dude. It was like two just friends fighting for shits and giggles, but they they were legitimately hurting each other. Yeah, man. And honestly, in terms of a fight, uh, I honestly, Cyril Gon is even though he lost to Nganu, I really don't think he's that far away. We talked about this in the green room. He's not far away from getting a title shot at heavyweight, dude. And especially considering how close his first fight with Ngannou was, I mean, he was a bad leg lock attempt from being champion away. Like, one bad leg lock attempt from being champion right now. I mean, he was that close. And he comes back, he gets this huge win. And I'll think, in a fashion that anybody expected, he's facing one of the hottest heavyweights in the division, um, a guy that had won five in a row by knockout. Has to come back from behind himself. I mean, this is a star-making performance. Cyril Gon has had a couple of fights where... He'll win, but it'll outpoint a guy, and it'll be decisive, but it won't be in the fashion that you want. I feel like this is a fight that Ciro Gan came in here and put on a show, and even though he's already far for the title, this felt like a star-making performance for the Frenchman in his uh, in his hometown. So, yeah, man, incredible performance. As far as Taito Ivasa goes, I really, and I'm sure you agree, I don't think he loses any stock whatsoever. I mean, even though he lost, I, I don't think he's going to move down at all. I'm sure you're agree with that. Oh, no, definitely. I mean... I think everybody loves a little bit of Bam Bam in their life. And he's an irritating guy, whether or not he ever does reach the title or doesn't. 
I don't think it'll matter because it'll be one of those guys. I think if you like him, you'll always remember him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And he's also a guy that even though everybody likes him, I think we all kind of figured like, oh, you know, he has such a limit in the division. That may be true, but I think even this fight where he lost and got knocked out, he showed so much, dude. Like the, he showed that fire and that ability to march forward and to nearly spring the upset. I mean, just full props to Bam Bam. And I'm excited to see what he does in the future. But in the co-main events, man, Robert the Reaper Whitaker, dude, this guy. You had some doubts, Josh. Let me just call you I out of it right now. Yeah. I'm going to call you out right now on air. Uh, I don't know why, Josh. I don't know, I don't know where those doubts came from. And, uh, and he really shut those down in, in this match. Well, I mean, I, I predicted him to win, so I don't know why you got to talk shit, but, you know. True, but, but you, you, you said some things. I said, like, he really? he, I, I said that there's a possibility that Vittori can spring the upset. And he had moments. He had stretches, but it was Whitaker who had the better the better of the work over the 15 minutes. Sir. But, um, yeah, man. I mean, Rob Whitaker captures his uh, fifth, I believe, uh, no, let me rephrase, fourth win in his last five fights. Obviously, that one loss is to Adesanya earlier this year. That was even a very close fight. And he's facing the guy, Marvin Vittori here, who his only loss in some, like, seven fights was also to Adesanya. His number one was number two in the division. Whitaker could easily be champion right now. But I, I said it on Twitter, but this is a guy that is a generational talent. And he people really need to appreciate him while he's here. He just outpointed him. Even in the round three, he said, fuck, you got to take that of himself. You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. just, I mean, it was, a, it was an incredible performance. He ends up winning by decision, 30-27, 30-27, 29-28. Whitaker, man, even though he, he's been through a lot, even though he lost to Adesanya, he's still that guy. I mean, tell me what your overall thoughts were on his performance and also his standing in the division because obviously Adesanya's coming. He has a fight coming up too. I mean, what do you think is going to be possibly next for Whitaker? I mean, he's he's right there, dude. It's it, it, it's so hard though, right? Because of the fashion the first fight ended in, and obviously he lost the decision, which Grant, you know, was a close one. We have their opinions on paper though. It's still a loss, but he's he's the only other guy, and it's uh. It, it, at the top, right? When it comes to you, if you were looking at rankings and stuff like that, he's the only other guy. And, uh, like you said, he's a generational talent. And it's, it's nothing to, to, uh, for, for, to be forgotten, you know, to, to go without notice. Because if Israel Adesanya did not exist, Robert Whitaker would still be champ right now and would be dominating. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he had to go on a little run to get back in talent. He did it. He was super active during that time. Three fights in a, Short period of time, I believe, right? Uh, which consisted with Darren Till, Jerry Cannonier, and there was one more in there that I could be uh, forgetting. And Gaslam. All great guys. And, uh, and he got him done. He got him done in all in different fashions. Uh, showed, uh, a lot of skill in each one in, in different things and, uh, and came back and gave Izzy a hell of a good fight. Made it close. It fell a little bit short, but it just goes to show, man, that He's right there. He's able to compete. It's them two and everybody else, honestly. And that's no disrespect to the guys who are on the come up. But at this moment in time, when we're looking at the top five, those two guys stand out pretty far beyond the two. I mean, now, you know, I mean, Izzy holds wins over both both of their, those guys who competed that night. Hmm. Yeah, and as far as the division goes, the middleweight division, you remember whenever, uh, before Kamaru lost, Everybody said, like, you know, Kamaru and Colby, they're so much further away from the rest of the division. You know what I mean? Everybody, everybody said that. In reality, that's always just been Whitaker and Adesanya. <laughs> that's what it's actually been. Because, um, dude, like, Whitaker is literally taking out contenders. like, And he's been that way for a while. If you want to fight for the title, you got to go through Robert Whitaker. More than likely, you're not even not just going to beat him. Like, that's not even on the table. You're probably going to get fucked up. It's probably not going to be a close fight either. Um I gotta edit that out in post. But anyways, yeah, um, <laughs> post yeah, dude, Whitaker is that guy. He's a generational talent, and if Adesanya weren't here, he'd be champion, and he'd be running through people because he's not even just beating guys. Like he's not even close most of his fights. So yeah, man, he's he's that guy. Um, but anyways, man, just brought Whitaker capturing an incredible victory. Cannot be happier to see it. As far as the rest of the card goes, man, it's a very solid card. France, that crowd did not play. They they put on a they uh they were very loud throughout the night, yeah. and uh, that pretty clearly fired up the fires as well. What were your thoughts on uh, some fights on the undercard? 
Man, there there was a lot, man. I think we got to go down one. Nazarene uh, Nazarene Imamov against Joaquin Buckley. Uh, pretty good performance on Imamov. Does get gassed a bit near the end, but man, Joaquin Buckley has some fucking heart, Josh. You know what they talk about? Like if you're down on the cards, you need to come out of that third round and and you know put it all on the line, throw heavy, you know throw some caution to the wind, and uh, you know be risky. He did it, man. You saw it there at the end. He drops down in exhaustion while the other guy's still walking and has still a little bit left in the tank. And while one guy's laying down, knowing that he put it all out there and put himself in danger to potentially still try to win the fight. I mean, that was, uh, that was the definition of a, of a guy who's, of a fighter, you know, just going to the very end and pushing himself to the brink of exhaustion and leaving absolutely the tank empty. I mean, I, I don't know if he could have pushed it any more than what he did in that third round. Yeah. I mean, there are some guys that, you know, they'll, they'll go out and they'll search for a finish in the third round if they know they're on the cards, but it won't go as hard as Joaquin Buckley did. I mean, that guy left it all out there. I mean, he did every single thing possible in order to go ahead and get the win. And he didn't, but Joaquin Buckley has that dog in him, man. And he does. He made, this, he made this down to the cards. He made this fight close in round three. Um, ended up losing by decision. And one of, that, one of those cards was one of the worst. I mean, 30-27. Whoever... Whoever gave that card thirty twenty seven is absolutely fucking insane. Well, but I mean, they were in France, so that's true. That's true. Um, but is Imovov even from France? Uh, nationalized oh, France. Yeah, he is. All right. Yeah, he lives there now. But anyways, um, yeah, that was that was honestly just an awesome thing to see from Buckley. Uh, as far as the card goes, man, I mean, Roman Kopolov knocking at Alessio Deshiro. Really, I mean, that was a solid performance by him, and also Alessio Deshiro decided to call it quits afterwards. Uh, he retired on Instagram, I believe, early this morning. Um, solid career for him, but, dude, Roman Kopolov face-planted him. That was an incredible knockout. Um, opening up the card was Nathaniel Wood against Charles Jourdain. I thought this fight was going to be very interesting. He said Nathaniel Wood gets gets the win in really great fashion. I think at 145 he could be a possible contender. What do you think? I mean, it's a weight change for him. I mean, it's whether or not he decides to stay here and uh... – Kind of keep going forward after seeing that he competed with a guy like Jordan, and uh, and he was just he, that that trip man putting him down at will. I mean, it, it was effortless. It, it was it was almost kind of sad to see that uh, Jordan had really no response to it. I mean, if if Wood wanted to get it, he would get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I think Charles. I feel really bad for Charles Jordan. Um, Two losses in a row. Granted, he faced really good guys, but I was really, really impressed with Nathaniel Wood. I thought he had one of the best performances on the card overall um, in terms of what I expected versus what we actually got. Um, but on the undercard, man, Abus Magomedov, granted, whenever you see that a name like that, you think that guy is going to win, but with a front kick 19 seconds into the round, knocks out Dustin Stolfes. This, this kid looks legit at 185, man. What do you think about that one? Uh, dude, that was a sick finish. I mean, look at the record. 25, I mean, now 25, 4, and 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, 32 years young. I mean, I'm curious to see. I want to see more. I mean, this it's just one thing. Guy who came in on short notice. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of unanswered questions still, but, you know, the, the seat is set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Um, he looks very, very good. He's going off that one performance in his recent win streak. Dude looks legit. Um, so it'll be fun to see what happens with him in, in the future. Uh, also on the prelims, Nasrat Hackbrest defeating John McDessie. These two hated each other going into this one. Ended up being a nice bounce-back win for Nasrat. Uh, Ferris Zayim defeating uh, Michelle Fidelak. That was a solid performance by him. Very happy to see Zayim. I believe he actually just re-signed at UC. Um, so I was happy to see him back. And, uh, yeah, man, three wins in his last four. He looked very, very good here. Uh, Benoit St. Danis. The Frenchman, who I told you guys to watch, 26 years young, gets a knockout in the second round of Gabriel Miranda. Very good win by him. Christian Quinones, excuse me, defeating Khalid Taha in round one, soft points. And Stephanie Egger defeating Aline Perez. Aline Perez making headlines during the week uh, for twerking during the weigh-ins. Sadly, did not lead to her victory on Saturday. But yeah, man, this is a solid card. A lot of fun. And... uh well, we'll see if this weekend's card can live up to it, because the UFC is back, obviously. UFC 279 from the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, a pay-per-view. And not only that, but a rare non-title pay-per-view. And uh, it's a fight that is 
Well, I mean, it's going to be an interesting show, that's for sure. It is Hamzat Chamaya versus Nate Diaz, the Stockton Sluggers' final swan song in the UFC. And it's a matchup that I don't think anybody, like a year ago, if you would have said that this is a matchup that's happening, I don't think anybody would have expected it. Um, even now, it's a little bit weird, just because I don't think anybody really expects it to be competitive. Um, before I Before we even give picks, man, Obviously, right now, like as we speak, I'm sure the line will change. But as of right now, Hamza Chamayev is a huge favorite to defeat Nate Diaz, and it makes sense. He's undefeated. He just beat Gilbert Burns. He's ranked number three. But according to the Bet MGM, he's a minus twelve hundred. Nate Diaz yeah. back at a plus seven twenty five. Angel, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask for the pick part yet. But let's say that you're Nate Diaz's coach. You're going into this fight, man. What is the game plan? If if you can put yourself in those in those shoes for a second, what do you think is the best pathway to victory for Nate Diaz? Huge underdog, lost three of his last four. Granted, you know some of those were close, but even still, facing this undefeated monster who's huge, he's bigger than he's of all these attributes. What would you say is the best strategy for Nate Diaz to pull off a win on Saturday? I mean, just uh, don't ever let don't ever let him get confident. You know, I think that's the one thing that fuels this man more than anything. And uh, uh, you see it in his fights, man. He is extreme. He has that one of the most important abilities in a in an athlete and especially in a fighter confidence, that delusional confidence that you're above people uh, and better than them at all things. Because I bet you Shemaya said right now, he thinks like without a doubt, this guy is nothing. I am everything. And he goes into that match pretty much everything. At some point in this fight, Diaz has to make him realize that is not a reality. I am better at you at X, Y, and Z in this match. I can land at you at any point. I can actually hurt you. How he does that on the feet is another question, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, however, how, you know, the night of how it ever presents on the ground, you know, we, we, we haven't seen everything. We've seen a few moments, but it seems like it's pretty strong, right? The wrestling seems like it's there. If Diaz gets to the ground, you know, obviously, be adaptive, get out of those positions, don't let him stay on top of you, avoid the submissions, and if you see, if you get the next, snatch that shit, you know what I mean? Get it, mm-hmm. uh, get him while he's dry, and uh, probably get him out early, because, and if he can't prolong the fight, prolong the fight, because obviously, for the longest time, all his fights were short until the Gilbert Burns one, but this is his first five-round main event, the Chimaev gas. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's things there, there's things I need to do, and there's questions that need to be unlocked. And like I told you, Josh, at the end of the day, he's only human. And it comes down to that simple thing that these guys, and any guy, right, everybody's beatable. It's just figuring out how you're going to beat them. Every puzzle can be solved in one way or another. Everything has an algorithm. Everything has a way to be broken down. Mm-hmm. Just no one has broken down this man yet. Correct. And I do think that there is a pathway to victory for Nate Diaz. And I agree. I think the best strategy for him probably to prolong the fight. I think that he's going to have to find spots where he can. I think early it's not going to be close. I, I think that on the feet, on like Nate, I think, has actually a striking advantage against Hamzat. I think he has cleaner boxing. But at the same time, I think Hamzat's going to hit so much harder that that's not really going to be so much of a viable option. Uh, and also, also think he's improving rapidly on the feet. Um, I think he's gonna have Nate's gonna have to find spots where he can do some little tricky things. He's gonna have to he's gonna have to stay in the clinch. I think it's probably gonna be his safest spot. Hamzat in the clinch. We haven't really seen him there yet. We know on the ground he's a monster. We know on the feet he's very very powerful. Nate's gonna have to stay in boxing range, find little spots, land a land maybe not even combination, just one or two shots at a time. Just try and prolong the fight. Get into the fourth and fifth rounds and see if Hamzat gasses. We saw in that in the Gilbert Vern's fight, he obviously slowed down, but I don't take too much stock in that because like he knew that he's only had to go three rounds versus five. If, if five rounds, he'll probably try and pace himself a bit more. Um, I just think on the feet, I think that Nate's going to have an advantage, but I also think that it's going to be tough because you have to try and manage all the firepower coming back at him. On the ground, man, everybody talks about this fight's got to go to the ground. I actually think Hamzat would run through Nate on the ground. Not only do I think they're comparable in terms of jiu-jitsu, I just think that Hamzat's a significantly better. Like, he's very good top pressure. He gives you zero room to breathe. He's smashing you the entire time. And Nate is very, very small in comparison to Hamzat. We haven't seen him stand next to each other. But Hamzat, 
fights at 185 and looks like a decently sized 185 pounder. Nate's just a lightweight who doesn't feel like cutting weight. I mean, it, he's older, he doesn't feel like cutting weight. That's, that's the, that's the deal, you know? Um, as far as the fight goes, man, do you think that Nate Diaz can pull it off? I mean, he's, he's a, we talked about the odds earlier. He is one of the biggest underdogs in a long time. I mean, I actually don't think we've seen a line like this for a pay-per-view fight in years. I don't even know what could, what could be comparable. Cause I, I'm pretty sure Holly Holm was like a, what it like comparable, but I don't think Ronda Rousey was as big of a favorite as Hamzad is on Saturday. We've not seen odds like this in a long time, but yeah, man, do you think that it's going to be possible for him to go ahead and pull off the upset? We've seen Nate do it in the past. We saw him rock Leon Edwards. You see him upset Conor McGregor. Do you think he can pull it off and ride off into the sunset? And by end of sunset, I mean into a boxing match with Jake Paul. Do you think he'll be able to do it? I mean, I mean, you said it there, man. He hurt Leon, current champ. You know. Who knows what happens if he goes after him in that last last round? Obviously, he took down Connor during that reign. I mean, anything's possible. But as far as my as far as my pick, Josh, I'm picking Stockholm, motherfucker, Stockholm, Stockholm, Sweden, motherfucker. <laughs> Chechnya, bitch. Yeah, I mean, I don't. <laughs> yeah, that that was good. You you had me for a minute there because I thought I heard Stockton the first time. It took me it's, a minute. No, no, no. It's Stockholm, motherfucker. Yeah, it was a good Stockholm, one. Stockholm, motherfucker. Yeah, Shout man. out Sweden. Yeah, Sweden. Um, look, man, I, uh, yeah, I mean, as much as I would love to see Nate, I'd, lo- I'd have, like, Come on, Josh, one you want to represent the 209 on this on this podcast? I, I can't. I can't do it. I would love to see Nate have one final, you know, one final moment, you know? But look, dude, this is a matchup that like people are like, even even earlier, like when we were trying to preview the fight, we were like, you know, he should uh, he, he he should have to do this, he should he should do this, you do that. Like it's like trying to solve like a fucking Rubik's cube. You know, you know what or, this could be, Josh? That, this could what? be like when we uh, talked about Yarzinho versus Francis. What do you mean? Like you remember, we were like, he needs to do this, he needs to counter, oh. he needs to do that, and he did all of it, but it didn't matter. That yeah, and I think that's gonna be the case here. I think Nate will actually have some success in this fight. I don't know how. Um, whether I think, be, I, 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 think oh, I have the more important question though. Josh. Yeah, go ahead. Does Chimaev finish Diaz? Yes, I think so. For the first time in how long? Uh, he, he got knocked out by Josh Thompson in 2012, I think. Or 2013. 2013. 420, baby. Just seeing so you know. that. Yeah. We're all funny, by the way. What the fuck? Oh my god. So yeah, man. I mean, I think that this is a um, it's going to be a really tough fight for, man. And I I don't I don't see Nate winning, and I do think that he's going to end up getting finished as well. I think this is a matchup that as much as we want to tell ourselves like, you know, Nate can maybe he can maybe pull off the upset. He can he can bring it into the championship round. Maybe he can pull off a, a Hail Mary submission. I'm like that's, it just seems like wishful thinking, dude. It really does. Like I know that we love Nate and we don't want it to happen. I think it's a lot of wishful thinking to think that Nate's going to be able, like a 37, 38-year-old Nate is, is going to be able to pull off an upset against a guy who's not only like better than him, he's bigger than him, he's younger than him, he has every single attribute, and I just don't see it happening. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens, man. I mean, I think as far as – I think the bigger question, like you said, is not even if Hamzat will win. It's if Hamzat will finish him. That's the interesting part to me. I mean, I don't see – obviously, if Nate if, if Nate wins, one of the greatest upsets ever, all, awesome. But I don't see it happening. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, this card, this UC 279 card was really, really rough. Like, not even really rough. Probably if they would have proceeded without adding the cards that they adding the fights they have over the last few weeks, probably one of the worst cards of all time. But they didn't. They added some actually pretty solid fights in the co-main event. The Leech Lee Jingliang ranked number fourteen in the UFC welterweight division, taking on El Kukui Tony Ferguson, former interim lightweight champion, ranked number eleven at lightweight. He has lost four in a row. However, he's had some spots in there. Most notably, he's fighting Michael Chandler. He ended up getting knocked out. But guess what? He round, he won round one. He took the fight to uh, former title challenger Michael Chandler and showed some bright moments. But Leech, Lee Jingliang won two of his last three. 
knockouts over Muslim Salikov, Santiago Ponzinibbio. And that stretch, you did lose to Hamzat Chemaev, but a lot of people are doing that. Um, this is going to be Tony Ferguson's first fight up at welterweight since the Ultimate Fighter, which is all the way back in 2011. Obviously, he won the Ultimate Fighter at welterweight. And fought the majority of his first, like, even before getting into the tough house, he was just a welterweight. Like, he was just fighting up at 170. So, look, man, interesting fight here. And uh I think we talked about it a little bit when this fight got announced. Like, there's a matchup that if Tony Ferguson were five years ago, it'd be one that I, I don't want to call the walk in the park, but it'd be a lot easier for him. I think it's a matchup that on paper, even older Tony Ferguson, he's a pretty big underdog, maybe he might be able to pull it off, man. So, what do you think? Man, God, dude, what's uh, what's gonna happen to Tony Ferguson? Uh, I wonder. <laughs> no, I mean, look, the 170 change could be a, a very big thing. Could could help him a lot. Obviously, he, he cuts a lot of weight. You see it in him. It drains him a lot. Obviously, with a new uh, new coach in his corner, obviously, could be a big major factor. He could change things up. Uh, but on the other end, he has the leech man. Who, I mean, that guy's a fucking unit of himself. Obviously, Tony has these wrestling jiu-jitsu capabilities, right, that, that could uh, present some trouble to the Leech. But the thing is, does does it even get to that point? Does it even get himself rolling to that point? Does he even uh, resort to those things and options uh, during the match? I don't know if he will, man. We, and he's taken a lot of damage in those last fights. We've seen the, chick, the chin finally be cracked. I'm not saying that's it. Obviously, it was one time. It was a kick up the middle. And then it beautifully... And he's he, in, in the Leech is a very big 170 here, real strong, great power. I, I'm uh, it's, it's not real sad, Josh. But I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have to go against fucking Tony Ferguson and pick the Leech. Mm. Yeah, man, it is it is tough. It uh it is a little bit sad to have to do it, but yeah, man, I'm on the same page. I, I gotta go. I gotta go the Leech. I think that this is a matchup which feels by design. Like, they're obviously trying to put over Hamza, but I also think that they're also kind of trying to put over the leech as well. I mean, they, they, you know how important that Chinese market is to the, to the UFC. And I think that this is a matchup that is very, like I said, if this is a couple of years ago, Tony, no problem. But it's not. This is Tony Ferguson, who's actually had his chin cracked for the first time. Like, he wasn't looking great before that either. I mean, in terms of his last few performances. Um, he's looked older, he's looked slower, and if he can go back to his grappling, if he can go back to the thing, if he can use the pressure and just give the leech no room to breathe, I could see Tony pulling off an upset, but I think he's going to have to avoid the big right hand for three rounds, and if he gets hit, which Tony does a lot, he's going to have to eat it, and I don't think he'll be able to. So I'm going to go ahead and take the leech, man. I think it's um, it's a good matchup for him. But overall, I mean, it's um, it's going to be tough to watch, man. It could possibly it could get, be a little bit tough to watch. But, uh, yeah, man, we'll have to see what happens there. But it should be a fun fight regardless. Also on the main card, another late addition, Kevin Holland, who, obviously, since moving down to welterweight, has looked the best he's looked in a long time. I mean, I know he knocked out uh, Cowboy Oliveira. He submitted Tim Means. And now he's going to be fighting another guy who's not ranked, but he used to be ranked, Daniel D-Rod Rodriguez. This, this is, man is a monster. Uh, I believe he's like 6-1 in the UFC. He's won his last three fights. However, he's been out of uh, action since August of last year, which is a winner with Kevin Lee. Uh, he's been dealing with a lot of really bad hand issues. And he's decided to take this fight on roughly two weeks' notice. It's actually a catchweight fight up at 180. Because uh, D-Rod can't make the welterweight limit, apparently, on such short notice. So, um, look, man, this is an excellent fight. I think this is a very good uh, spot for these two guys to be in. Kevin Hall is already a fan favorite, but D-Rod, uh, he's fought a lot of the Apex. This gives him a chance to get his name out there more and for him to spring an upset. The odds are pretty close on this one. Do you think that D-Rod will be able to pull it off? I mean, man, I, I, at first I didn't realize how short notice it was, you know, when you were telling me in the green room. I think that's going to definitely play a factor. I mean, we've seen Kevin Holland do short notice, one day notice, two hour notice. He's there, man. You know, mm-hmm. if crime strikes, he's there. You know, he's available. He's that guy. He's that guy, pal. <laughs> and uh, I mean, he's 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 improving a lot, man. Every every time you see him, he gets he's getting a little better. He's talking a little less, but he's still talking. You know what I mean? I noticed in his last two, he's he slowed it down a little bit. It's not as much as it used to be. Not as not as aggressively as much as it yeah. Used to be. 
been a little while since we had D-Rod there. I believe he had, what, surgery in, in both hands? Did he surgery? Was it I, I know it was at least one. I don't know if it was both hands. Oh, he had surgery in his hand, which is yeah. already an issue in and of itself, right? When you when you punch him on the face for a living, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, that is a bit of a problem. And it's one of those things that's kind of reoccurring, right? Once you have it, you have it again, don't you? Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, so obviously who knows how that will play a factor. For all we know, he might have a Uriah Faber moment, have to fight with just elbows and knees. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not like that. But I'm going to pick Kevin Holland, man. There's just, you know, obviously we've seen it time and time again. Short notice fights, comes out, performs one multiple times in a year. Uh, I think his striking will look solid. Obviously, he's improved a lot. In, he's trying to improve a lot in his wrestling. I know it's one of those things that he's considerously working on. And uh, I don't know. I don't know if D-Rod's going to be able to do it with on, on short notice. And on top of that... Uh, I think I think Kevin Holland's just gonna have find a lot of success in this fight. Yeah, and it's a fight that I, I as much as I love D Rod, I feel like this is kind of a fight where he knows that he's dealing with injuries, he's been out of action for over a year, and he just knows like this is a chance for him to jump in, get into the rankings real quickly, and get a huge name. Because he's 35, if he's already dealing with hand injuries, his time of the short, we don't really want to talk about it because he's kind of just hitting his stride. Who knows how much longer he has? And that's really unfortunate to talk about. And I think it's part of the reason why he took this fight, because he doesn't know. Because he's, you know, 35 years old, dealing with a lot of hand injuries. Um, could he turn 36 in a couple of months? This is his big moment. And as much as I love him, I can't see him pulling off this one. I think him coming in on two-week notice, he has not fought in a year. He's been dealing with injuries. This is all, and Kevin Holland has looked, his Really, really good. And on the feet, I don't know who's going to beat him. And I don't think he'll be able to beat him. So I'm going to go ahead and take um, Kevin Holland to get the win and to keep on moving up the ranks of the welterweight division. I think that that's his weight class. He's been looking good. And I think it's a solid, like, solid matchup for him. So I'm going to go and take Kevin Holland to get the win uh, and uh, keep on moving up. But, yeah, I mean, it's a super fun fight. I could see D-Rod springing an upset, but I think he has a lot going against him in this one. But, yeah, man. Continuing on on the main card, Irene Aldana taking on Macy Chason at women's bantamweight. Irene's been out of action. So we're talking about long layoff. She's been out of action since July of 2011. Not 2011. Jesus Christ. 2021. Holy shit. Could you imagine? 11-year layoff, guys. It's pretty Fuck crazy. me, Josh. <laughs> She's been out of action since July of 2021, and that was actually, funnily enough, Conor McGregor's last card. She fought on the undercard, defeated Yana Kuneskaya by knockout. That was a fight she missed weight by five pounds. And she's coming back to fight Macy Chason, who's also a huge women's bantamweight, weight, who missed weight uh, also. Holy shit, are they both going to miss weight? Well, Macy Chason, she did not miss weight for her last fight, but she missed weight for her fight before that, where she missed weight at women's featherweight when she fought Raquel Pennington. She missed by three pounds. So they're both very big women's bantamweights. Uh, both of them need a win, I'd say, in order to kind of remain in that top uh, title conversation, I'd say. Uh, Macy Chisholm is coming off a win over Norma Dumont in May, split decision. Uh, and since we're talking about weight, Norma Dumont, Norma Dumont would miss weight for that fight. So a whole lot of weight missing going on uh, between these couple of fighters. So um, anyways, man. Yeah, this is an interesting fight. It should be a banger. Both these Both these ladies come to put it all on the line. So what do you think about this one? I'm excited to see what kind of fight uh, Macy brings to Irina. You know, I wonder if she's going to try to engage in the stand-up battle with her. Obviously, that's that's already a thing, right? She, boxing, right? You know, the stand-up. And, uh, I, you know, she got Yano. She got her that sick finish. She actually had picks uh, against Irina in that fight. I remember you were giving me some shit for picking Irina in that fight. And I was like, dude, I got a feeling. <laughs> and the night of came. We're sitting there. We're watching the corner card with all the boys. Yeah. And Irina fucking, I mean, she ices her, man. He drops her. And puts her out. I mean, it was a, it was a sick finish on her part. I, I don't know how that's going to go against Macy. Macy is, uh, like you said, also very big girl. I think, is she bigger than Irene? Or are they around the same height? They're both pretty big. Um, okay, Irene is 5'9". Macy Chason is also 5'9". So what's about that? Wow, okay. They look, they're both, Macy looks so much, I mean, at, at least just looking at them separately, I would maybe think Macy's taller, but I think it's just because she's a, a little bit slenderish, maybe has a long. Could I don't be. know. I don't know if she has a, a longer reach, but uh, I'm curious to see how the standout match is, how that how that chess match is going to play out, and if uh, 
if uh, Macy decides to engage in the ground game because she has some vicious fucking ground and pound, man. We saw that on the Ultimate Fighter. I mean, she fucking she finished uh, Lucy Pacheco like that, I believe, on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, man, this is gonna be an uh, an interesting fight. I think Macy Chase on she can make this one dirty, and I think she's gonna come to scrap. Irene coming off of a really long layoff, she had weight issues. I think it's going to be tough for her, man. I think Irene can crack her, but I think Major Jason has a really, really good chin. I'm going to go and take I, – I don't actually I don't know what the line is on this one. But I'm going to go and take Major Jason to get the win. I'm assuming you're on the same page. I'm, I'm on the same page. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, man, so I'm going to go and take Major Jason. That should be a fun fight, though. That should be a very fun fight. Um, yeah, and then opening up the card is going to be a banger at light heavyweight. Neither one of these guys can be fighting for a title anytime soon. Uh, however, they are both guys who have a lot of power. They come to swing and bang. We got Johnny Walker, who uh, at one point seemed like a future title contender. He's lost four or five with two of those losses coming by knockout. He last fought in February, got knocked out by Jamal Hill, which that loss is aged relatively, relatively well. I think on Ian Kutelaba, who is one, three, and one in his last five fights, uh, last time out, lost to Ryan Spann by uh, submission, funnily enough, in May. Uh, yeah, man, this is a this is a very fun fight, um, very interesting one. I think if Johnny Walker doesn't win this one, it kind of the writing kind of on the wall for him in uh, in the UFC. But what do you think about this fight? I mean, I think this is a great matchup as far as the guys and the kind of the moment they're in right now in their careers. Uh, oh, I mean, they both desperately. I kind of feel like they need a win, right? Like it's 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 evident. That's why they're fighting each other. Uh, God, man, it, 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 there's just a lot of things flowing through my mind. I mean, they both have their issues, right, in my opinion. It's just – I could see either guy winning the shot. So I think for me, it's kind of a coin flip. I think it, 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 it just depends what Johnny Walker comes out that night. If he's throwing, he's uh, he's uh, asserting himself. He's used to being wild. He's having fun but not being overly aggressive. And then with Kutalaba, are we going to get that Hulk? You know, is the Hulk going to come out? Is the bully going to come out? Is he going to be coming forward? But if he if – if he's coming forward, does that mean Johnny's going to be ready for it? Is he be kind of wild but calm? You know, it, it, I think those are all questions that need to be answered early on in the first round, and, and kind of depend and kind of see like how they're going to establish themselves in this fight. Uh, I'm gonna go Johnny Walker. Hesitantly, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie to you. I thought about picking Kutalaba right now when we were talking about it, but I'm gonna pick Johnny Walker. Yeah, I'm on the same page. I think Johnny Walker. He's had a couple of losses. Um, but I think you got to look into those losses to to kind of get like a better story. Because you look at it on paper, four to five is terrible. But Corey Anderson, very well, might be the best light heavyweight on the planet. He he lost to Nikita Krylov, which was a, I don't even remember that fight. It was like one. It was I think that happened on the first card post COVID in Brazil, um, where he kind of got outpointed. And Nikita Krylov is very good in his own right. Uh, he knocked out Ryan Spann. He lost to Thiago Santos on a razor razor thin decision. He got caught by Jamal Hill. Kute is losing in, like, really bad fashion to guys that he is not, like, he probably should not be. I, I, honestly, that Ryan Spann fight was really disappointing, where he just got absolute, like, to get submitted by Ryan Spann, who I believe that was, actually, he has more wins by submission than I thought. Props to him. But, yeah, man, Kute Laba, he's just had a rough, a bit of a rough go recently, and I think there's a fight where John Walker's going to be able to outpoint him. I don't think he's going to get a decisive knockout. But I think Ian Kutilaba just walks into way too many punches. And I think Johnny Walker's kind of aware at this point. I feel like he's learning that, oh, yeah, I can't take heavy punishment like maybe I used to early on in my career. Yeah. So, um, anyways, man, I, I I fully expect Johnny Walker to pull out the win. Although, I mean, shoot, man, maybe Kutilaba can catch him. That's kind of the fun part of this fight. Both these guys have the power and can go ahead and be caught by the other one. So that should be interesting. Um as far as the prelims go, there's a couple of solid matchups. It's not super stacked in terms of name value, but there are a couple of solid fights to watch for. Which fights are you most looking forward to on the uh, the prelims? We've got to shout out one of the most entertaining men of all I've ever made, Josh. Chris Barnett, first of all, against Jay Collier, which is a is a fun matchup. I mean, this this makes sense. You know, that's what you love to see, fights that make sense. Because, look, at this moment in time, neither one of these guys is chasing titles, right? Mm-hmm. This is, we're just going to be honest. But they're entertaining guys. I mean, they're fun guys, and they can provide a lot of entertainment and be very competitive and, and compete at a, at a decent level. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. That's a, that's a solid matchup to watch. Um, I gotta be honest, man. Out of it's kind of weird. Of the fights, I'm most looking forward to. Like, there's there's some really solid ones, man. I mean, Kim Dabu, Julian Arosa is going to be a banger. J. Collier, Chris Barnett should be a lot of fun. Jimmy Pickett's going to be back. That should be fun. Norma Dumont, Daniel Wolf is the most hyped fight on this card. <laughs> I, it, it's weird, right? Because you're kind of curious to see what's going to happen. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think that's why. Yeah, I think so. Just because Danielle Wolf is an interesting prospect. She boxed uh, for, like, her entire life. Uh, she, like, I think she tried out the Olympics. Um, and she, like, boxed for a long, long time. She switched over to MMA in 2020. And she got a winner over Tanisha Tennant, which is a very good, good fight. Tanisha Tennant should be in the UFC. I mean, I think it's dumb that she's not. Because <clears throat> she had that one fight. And she lost to Daniel Wolf at Featherweight. That was a very close fight. And she's since won the Invicta Bantamweight title, and she's very, very good. So she was fighting up a weight class and gave a really good fight. But regardless, Daniel Wolf won. And that was, she beat somebody who probably she shouldn't have because uh, she's very good. And she's taken off two years. She's done nothing but train for two years. She's coming back to fight at a weight class, which is pretty thin. So she really only needs one win. Because Amanda Nunes says she wants to defend her featherweight title next. And in her way is Norma Dumont. Norma Dumont uh, is very, very good. She had a split decision loss to Macy Chase on, but she's also defeated Aston Ladd, Felicia Spencer, uh, Ashley Evans-Smith, and part of that she also lost to Meade Anderson. She's very, very good. So this fight's going to be interesting, man. Especially the winner of this could get a title shot, which is kind of kind of funny. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, we'll see what happens to see if... Uh, if Danielle Wolf can pull off the upset and kind of show her potential, she's taken a lot of time. She's done nothing but train. And, uh, yeah, man, we'll see what happens there. But it should be a lot of fun, man. Uh, any other – oh, uh, also one quick shout-out. Jailton Almeida. This kid is the future. Um, and he's taking on a short notice replacement. He's originally supposed to fight Shamil Durkimov, which is way more interesting. But he's finding a kid off the contender series now. Uh, but, yeah, man, 16-2, and two, coming off a really, really nice win. Um, over Parker Porter in his UC debut. So this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, any other fights you're looking to talk about on UC 279 that I may have missed? I mean, I need to shout out one of my guys, you know, a guy, Chad Allinger, dude, out of Canada. 12-5, and five, deceiving record, though, because those losses are early on in his career. He's currently riding a 10-win streak, believe it or not, mm-hmm. going into this fight. Like, that's, uh, you know, one in the UFC, officially one in the Contender Series, and coming into this fight, man, he had a sick... Uh, uh, ending sequence against like Jesse Shreya, I think it was like 21 punches through the like right there at the end, all pretty much unanswered. But it was a sick little sequence. If you want to look it up on YouTube, I saw a video I think earlier today of uh, guys counting each punch out like one, two, three, <laughs> in slow motion. So if you want to check something out, there you go. Yeah, man, I'm very excited for his fight as well. Um, in terms of like name value, using 79 is not anything special. I mean, obviously, at the top of the bill, I mean, you got Hamza Chmai of Nate Diaz. It's about as big as it gets. But in terms of, like, beyond that, there's not a whole lot, especially on the prelims. But there are a lot of matchups that are left that make you go, like, oh, you know, like, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, man, overall, that should, should be a very solid card. That one's going down on Saturday night. But in terms of, like, stuff to talk about, that's kind of the only real MMA uh fight happening this weekend. There's not a whole lot of boxing going down either. Well, I mean, I guess there is, but we can talk about that in a little bit, but we do actually got to recap some boxing from last weekend, because uh, on Sunday night, BBC and Fox decided to put on a rare pay-per-view. Uh, no title on the line. It's kind of weird this one was a pay-per-view, and it, to make it worse, it was on Sunday. However, the main event was a lot of fun. Andy Ruiz Jr. coming back, looking to get a second win in a row. Uh, since losing his titles back in December 2019. Obviously, he defeated Chris Arriola back in May 2021. Took some time off, changed trainers again. Uh, this time, I believe it was Alfredo Osuna in his corner. Um, taking on Luis Ortiz. King Kong also looking to get back in title because he's now 43 years of age. Um, in the end, dude, Andy Ruiz scores three knockdowns. He can't get him out of there, but he ends up winning on the scorecard, gets a unanimous decision win. Um, first of all, did you see this one, and what were your thoughts? I saw a decent bit of it. I mean, 
man, he, he really fought for that one, man. He took a lot of heavy shots. He took a decent bit of punishment, but he also dished it out right back. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were right there in the pocket. I mean, Luis Ortiz was there. He dropped him legitimately. He dropped him fair and square. I mean, you saw, you saw him a few times. You know, like I, I, remember, I think it was one of the last times he dropped him. He put up the glove in his face and like, I need to get my shit together. You know, you can tell he had one of those moments. Like, I need to react. You know what I mean? I need to do something. I'll give Luis Ortiz credit, dude. Like, he went ahead and fought his heart out, dude. Um, I kind of expected him to kind of get run over in this one. And it's not because he's bad, but I do think he's starting to become a little bit shop-worn. I mean, he fought Charles Martin last time out, and I thought that should have been an easy win for him. He got knocked down twice, had to come from behind. And it just feels like Luis Ortiz, at this age, he's 43, he's had... You know, a shit ton of boxing matches, amateur and professional. Looks like his legs are starting to go a little bit, but even whenever his legs win, he got knocked knocked out three times. He just bit down on the mouthpiece and started firing back. Uh, so, yeah, man, I mean, I, we'll see if he's going to retire. I know that he hasn't committed to anything yet. If he does, props to him, an amazing career. But Andy Ruiz, dude, I feel like the bigger news here is him getting the win and uh, afterwards saying, you know, God willing, if Deontay Wilder wins next month, me and him. That'll be next. Is that a matchup you want to see? Fuck yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's a two different styles, right? Two different guys and two two former champs, actually, right? Clashing, and that's what you want. You want the best of the best in the division meeting each other. And I saw some people clowning Andy. They were like, dude, you couldn't take out a 40-year-old Luis Ortiz. I'm like, dude, there's not a lot of guys. Not many people can. I love to see you try. They're like, dude, he he kept going out of the jet. I'm like, yeah, he had a, a very relatively simple game plan, right? With, with you know using his jab a lot, but he's a foundational boxer, dude. I mean, that's that that Cuban uh, program is built on. Their, their guys are great at those things, and there's a reason that he's this old and he's having the performance he kind of is, and he's still around. I mean, there's not many people his age who could be doing what he's doing at this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's. If there's actually people who are actually being like, oh, we couldn't knock him out, you're, you're, Jesus Christ. Luis Ortiz is still legit. He's still a top 10 heavyweight. Arguably, like, I think he, on box rec, which box rec rankings aren't perfect by any metric, but I think I saw that he was like number seven or something. Like, Luis Ortiz is still very good. He's won a couple of fights in a row by knockout, and I don't really, I don't get the criticisms. I thought this is the best that Ruiz has looked in a long time. I thought that, uh, that fighting with Chris Ariola last year, I thought he looked a lot worse, honestly. Yeah, no, 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 like, it was a big upgrade. Yeah, I mean, he, he got knocked down in that one. There were a lot of exchanges where he got caught. And Chris, who is severely shot-worn, even though he's younger than uh, Luis Ortiz, he's so much more shot-worn than him, he went ahead and was able to do a lot more. And obviously, we don't even talk about the Joshua fight, where he essentially showed up at 300 pounds and just walked forward into a jab for 12 rounds. That didn't really do much. This one, he went forward, he landed combinations, he showed that he still has that incredible hand speed, which won in the title in the first place. So, dude, I thought it was a good performance by him. Was it perfect? No, by by no means. But he did, he had another trainer change, and I think this one could work out well for him. So, uh, yeah, Andy Ruiz gets the win. And Deontay Wilder, that's a matchup that I want to see really bad, man. I think that fight is extremely interesting. Obviously, Deontay is going to be so much bigger than him, but Andy has an incredible chin, and if there's one thing that we've seen, Deontay kind of struggles with pressure. So I think it's a very 50-50 matchup, and I'm very excited to see that one if it does happen. Obviously, Deontay, we didn't talk about it, but he has business to take care of, of himself. Uh, he's going to be fighting Robert Helenus next month. And, former training uh, partner. Former training partner, and Helenus has won three in a row all by knockout. He knocked out Adam Kanaki uh, twice in a row, and it looked like Kanaki was going to be the next guy. He's probably going to kind of break yeah. into that contender status of like kind of being like a, maybe like in that same area of Joe Parker and, and – uh, Joe Joyce and stuff like that. Instead, Robert Herlins, who's like nearly 40 now, comes back and upsets him twice, knocks him out two times in a row. So, um, gonna be interested to see what happens when that fight happens next month. But yeah, if he wins that one, God willing, we'll get him and Andy next, which should be just an incredible fight. Um, oh yeah, well actually, funnily enough, we just got an update on this right now. Uh, WC, WBC President Mauricio Salimon has now clarified that Andy Ruiz Jr. versus Luis Ortiz is a semifinal eliminator, and so is Deontay Wilder versus Robert Helenus. Ruiz Jr. versus Wilder Helenus will be the final eliminator to determine Tyson Fury's next mandatory. Oh, wow. So, so winner. Can... Wow. Yeah, 
yeah, if Wilder wins, we can get Fury uh, versus Wilder four, or we'll get Ruiz versus Fury. If obviously that's if Fury ends up continuing to fight, as long as it's both the U6 or Josh or whatever. So or he relinquishes right either one. Yeah. So there's there's we're very far away from the process, but it looks like we will we might be able to get Ruiz versus uh, Wilder with a in a title event. That'll be even more exciting. So or for a title if he relinquishes. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah, if he relinquishes, it will be for a belt. So that'll be even more interesting. That's cool. That's fun. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, man, there is some boxing going down this weekend, and um. Really, this is not like a. I feel like it's a matchup that's kind of flying under the radar. Like I expected to see a lot more hype for this one than there actually is. Uh, but dude, I mean, it's about as good as it gets. Obviously, we had a we had a huge women's matchup earlier this year whenever Amanda Serrano fought Kitty Taylor. This is right there with it. Uh, Clarissa Shields nicknamed herself the quote. Uh, she's never lost in amateur professional boxing except the one woman. Savannah Marshall, the silent assassin uh, from the UK, beat her in the amateurs. Now they are fighting. They fought in 2012. Ten years later, they're facing off with the WBO, WBA, WBC, IBF, WBF, WTF <laughs> female middleweight titles on the line in the O2 Arena on Saturday. This is a very interesting matchup. The, the line on this one's like dead even depending on where you're looking. Um, and it's a very interesting matchup, man. Clarissa coming in, obviously she has, she's more defensive-oriented. She, she lands the cleaner punches, but Savannah Marshall has that one-hitter-quitter power, which you don't see in women's boxing. I mean, her knockout winner of FMK Hermans earlier this year in April, like, that was nasty, dude. Like, she, like that was fucking devastating. Um, they've essentially fought the same people, funnily enough. They've, like, they have a lot of similar opponents, but um, and we can kind of see that whenever Clarissa beats him, she beats him decisively. So does Savannah Marshall just with a knockout. So tell me, man, very interesting fight. What do you think about this one? Uh, do you think that Savannah Marshall will be able to go two and zero, or do you think Clarissa Shields will be able to go into enemy territory and pull off the win? I mean, a lot happens in ten years, man. I mean, they were. I mean, what were they like in their early? How old were they when they were just one about? Uh, like, well, they fought ten years ago. Car- Clarissa is twenty seven. Like yeah, and then Savannah Marshall was 31, so it was like 21-year-old versus 17-year-old. Wow. Yeah. I mean, she was a kid. I mean, she was a kid when, when she went in. And, and 21, also a young person, you know, but 17, you, I mean, you're, you're in high school, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot can happen that time. Your body changes a lot. I mean, Savannah's a tall girl. She's big. Obviously, we see her capabilities and power. Clarissa has improved a lot, and, I mean, she's a very decisive person. I mean, it's 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 a – I don't think you can go into this one – Saying one person better than the other, right? Right now, at this time, because it's been ten years, you know. I was yeah. you can you can you can say, I mean, based off like the, the ten, ten years ago, right? But I mean, you see what's gone down. You see how they've taken it out, and and it's two different styles, man. I mean, Savannah is elusive, man. She'll have her hands down, you know. She'll, you know, she's she's pretty confident. I I like I like the way she her her her, her style, you know. It's well, different. you know how she gets that confidence from. You know where she, she who she trains with, right? Oh, is it who I think it is? She trains at the Furies. Oh, okay. John and uh, I think uh, I think it might be Peter Peter Fury. I think it's like John's brother or whatever. Trainer. She trains with all the Furies. That's where she gets that from. Okay, makes sense because she has a little bit of that little. I don't know what it is, but that 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 I don't give a fuck swagger. My hands are a little lower, but they're not low enough where I can't cover myself. And yeah, she walks you down, throwing a jab behind it, following it up with something. It's clean. I mean, it's it's different from Shields, but. I mean, Styles, you know, Styles make fights, like you say. Mm-hmm. It, it's near even, man. I, I think you could pick either person, and I don't, I don't think I'd have an issue with it. I, I think we're gonna have a lot better of a conclusion after the match, because obviously that's when they'll meet. You know what I mean? But obviously, which makes sense. But mm-hmm. what I'm getting at is a lot of questions need to be answered. I think, I think both fights, like, there's a reason it's near even. You know, that it's actually very hard for me to to decide because of that. I would go Shields right now, but it could change the net of. But, I mean, there's a reason she beat her 10 years ago, and it could happen again. Absolutely. And I think Clarissa Shields is very, very good. Um, and I don't even take any – got to be honest, I take zero stock in their amateur fight. I, don't, I think it's not even important to mention it. I mean, if you, in case you guys are curious how much the amateurs matter, uh, Sean Porter defeated Usyk in the amateurs. 
Yeah, they, they fought in the same weight class for a brief period. Like, you know why it doesn't matter? Because they were fucking kids. Like, <laughs> when they were amateur boxers, the amateurs, like, literal teenagers, like, literal children will fight. So you'll get a lot of matchups, and there'll be a lot of crossover, but it doesn't really matter. Because even the way the amateur fights are scored versus professional fights are different. Like, everything is different. So I take zero stock in it. But I am actually going to pick Savannah Marshall. I, I think that this is a uh, this is a very close fight. But for me, I think it comes down to the fact that Savannah Marshall, Clarissa Shields has to be perfect for 10 rounds. I don't think Savannah Marshall has to be perfect for 10 rounds. I think that she has that rare one-punch knockout power. Even if she doesn't, I think it's going to be close enough for her to win on the scorecards, especially considering it's in the U.K. Carissa Shields is going to the United Kingdom for this fight. And we know in boxing all the time that even if, like, I'm not even saying this in terms of, like, a U.K. thing, it's a U.K. bias, but who makes more money if, like, if they're champions? Savannah Marshall or Carissa Shields? Probably Savannah Marshall. So... I think this will probably have the benefit of the scorecards. I think that she can land that one punch, not that one punch, and just get her out of there. So I'm gonna go take Savannah Marshall. I think it's gonna be close. I could absolutely see Clarissa Shields winning. Like even that, I've been flip flopping on this fight over the last couple of weeks. So I think it's gonna be very, very close. But I think that uh, Savannah Marshall is gonna get the win and new unified champion. Probably not gonna be the only time these two fight. Obviously, they have they actually have like a rematch clause, but on both sides. So. They can go ahead and activate it, which I fully expect that we'll see these two fight again in the future. But I'm not going to take uh, Savannah Marshall, but it's dead even on the line. I could see either person winning, but I am going to go ahead and take uh, Savannah, get the win in her home country. So that should be a very fun fight. Uh, but, yeah, man, as far as news go, there's, like, not really any news. Normally we talk about news in uh, in terms of, like, around the boxing MMA world. There's not a whole lot going on, man. Um, but, yeah, I mean, is there anything else we can talk about before we close out? Uh, I mean, nothing specifically off the top of my head. I mean, we kind of went in depth with it. Obviously, with the pay-per-view, that's kind of like the big portion of our week there that's just stacked. And obviously, when we come back, we're going to have a, a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And honestly, I expected – you know what's interesting? And this isn't really like a topic that I want to get into too, super in-depth. But is, last week, we talked about Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. That fight's still not confirmed. Do you think that's a little bit sus at all? Like, I gotta be honest, I'm a little bit worried that that fight's not gonna happen. Just by virtue of the fact that the announcement, the, the fight was supposed to be announced like a week ago, and it got pushed back. It actually supposed to get announced this morning. I mean, if it, it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, I, I can live without Jake Paul this year. <laughs> oh, you don't give a shit? I mean, I, I, mean, I care, you know, but, but I, I'm, not wor- uh, I'm not worried about it. I mean, whatever, I mean, whatever we get, we get. Fair enough, fair enough, but. Yeah, I think a lot of people are kind of setting themselves up for disappointment with this one. Uh, that's all. I'm, that's all I'm gonna say. Ever since this fight got leaked and it wasn't immediately announced, I was like, "That's a little bit." Because normally, whenever this sort of, sort of thing happens, I mean, if if a fight gets leaked, the promotion announces it almost instantly because they want to try and capitalize off the momentum that the announcement, you know, getting it getting announced by a reporter or whatever it may be. This fight got announced like leaked like a week or two ago, so. Kind of weird that nothing's happening, but uh, I mean, it is. Yeah, it could have been you know some negotiation issues, right? You know, it got leaked, and they're like, ah, well, now that it's like you know, we want to whatever it may be, right? There's a lot. Yeah, of this could be all for nothing, but by the time this podcast is released, which will come out on Friday night at eight o'clock, if you guys <laughs> if you guys want to look forward to it, um, same time every week. But uh, yeah, I mean, this could be a points conversation, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know, I got a bad feeling, but anyways. Uh, as far as the show goes, I uh, hope you guys did enjoy. Obviously, not a whole lot to talk about this week, but obviously, you see 279 doing a big carry on that one. Uh, but I'm at Josh Evanoff on Twitter. He's at AndrewTega underscore 01 or at Courtside Sound on Twitter for all things related to the show. RogueEnergy.com. Once again, code SOUNDOFF, 10% off. Get yourself something uh, as we transition into this fall. Um, yeah, it gave yourself something nice. But yeah, RogueEnergy.com could sound off. Hope you guys enjoy the show. Peace and bug grease. Mouse click.